0: (sighs) holiday shopping is so stressful. It doesn't have to be. Blendjet is the perfect gift for everyone on your list. Blendjet? It's the portable blender that lets you make smoothies and shakes anywhere. That sounds amazing. But what about the price? That's the best part. Blendjet's Black Friday sale is going on right now. It's their lowest price ever. I'm sold. Where do I get it? Just go to Blendjet.com. But you've got to hurry. The sale won't last forever. Blendjet.com. Welcome, Espanol. It's time for some real talk. Hey, what's going on? This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Body of Christ Real Talk. Joseph Brownlee, of Body of Christ, your host for Body of Christ Real Talk. Hello, everyone. God bless you all. I'm sure you're blessed and highly favored. Okay. This is my special announcement today. This is what I have today. And what my announcement is going to be today is going to be word study. I haven't done a word study in a while since I've done a study on uh, the meaning of an agenda or, and conspiracy theories. If you go back in the past, you know that I've done some word studies on that, and I like to get into word studies to break down different word studies and meaning, because I think that's very important when you're on the air, and many people don't understand certain terms that's been used from different teachers, not only only myself, but also other teachers as well out there. The word study today is going to be something I have been promising for a while, and I probably broke this down before, but it's good to just, you know, reiterate or, you know, um, the, uh, the, the repeat Certain teachings that you have done before And this teaching today is going to be On a certain words I'm going to teach And this, this is very important To understanding the scripture Okay, and this is for the saved And the unsaved, but the more meat You're going to get from the saved, but the unsaved Can understand this too, so when you Do give your life to Christ, you will have some Type of format, of how to find the right gathering, to find the right church And how to learn How to read the Bible and study the Bible for yourself. So this is just a, a, a brief uh, dictionary breakdown on these words. And I'm going I'm I'm to try to break down three words real quickly. So the words I'm going to break down, you probably heard of this, the term exegesis and eisegesis. Let me repeat those two again. Exegesis and eisegesis. Okay, the ones that never—they never probably never heard that term before. It's—it's it's a term that, uh, a lot of denominational churches probably don't use as much. But in another, but at the same time, they probably use it. You know, but they use either they use one of these thoughts, one of these. Formats of reading the scriptures Now I'm talking about biblical Exegesis and biblical eisegesis And I'm going to break down What the dictionary has to say about it I don't have to give a definition But I'm going to let the dictionary And, and, and all of them explain what they mean But it's very important To uh to know these concepts And which one that you are in when you When you hear these definitions Reason being because You believe the Bible and you read the Bible and you interpret the Bible in one of these formats, <laughs> whether you believe it or not. You interpret, you read and study and interpret the Bible in one of these formats, whether you know it or not. It depends on your denominational upbringing or what churches you was brought up in or whatever. It, it's, it's one of these formats that you interpret the Bible. Many rightly dividers don't interpret the Bible by one of them. And you're going to find out what you want. None of me and other grace believers are rightly divided. Or you can call us, You some people call us dispensation. I don't let you call me no name. Don't call me mid Actually, Like I always say, don't call me dispensation. Just call me somebody that loves to read the Bible in context, rightly divided. I'm a child of God, okay? But I don't get mad. I know what you mean. You know, just don't abuse it as a negativity because it's not a negativity, you know. But one of these ways... You read the Bible. And most of the time you get it you was taught this way by your pastor or whoever, whatever church you belong to. But let me get to it right quick, okay? Because the time constraints. I'm gonna start with exegesis. If you never heard of it, it's going to, I'm don't worry about it. I'm going to break down what exegesis mean. All this is pertaining of how to read the Bible. How you can understand the Bible. and how, which way you think is best of reading the Bible for you and I'm going to I'm going to break that down, you know. And you're going to be one of you're going to either change it to one or the other you're going to either change it to one or the other or you're going to say oh I like the way I'm doing anyway I, I don't I don't take that so it doesn't matter because you you know the important thing is interpreting what the bible is really saying and there there is a way to just read the bible because you know you need to be opened up to reading the bible the correct way the holy spirit within you if you are a believer expects you to interpret his words the right way. And for the unbeliever, this will give you a little head start because you don't take a spiritual, you know, don't it don't take nothing spiritual or whatever to awake you to this. This is just like you going to school, you learning history, and you learning math, and you learning, you know, one plus one plus two, you learning how to read, you learning science, you learning biology. This is the same thing. There is a format to do those things. So, therefore, there is also a format to how to read the Bible and how to to study the Bible, the Holy Spirit will give you the spiritual meaning. Nothing can take the place of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong, no. But the understanding of the Bible is very important how you read it because you're gonna, when you learn the way you read or study the Bible a certain way, what you have learned, you're gonna teach that to somebody else, and it's very important. Is it right or is it wrong? Okay, is it right or is it wrong? This is for you in the future, unbeliever, and this is for you, believer, you know. You know, you know that that's reading the Bible. You are reading one or the other. This is how you interpret it. Some of it is reading one way and one is reading the other. Let's start with exegesis. OK, what is the definition of exegesis? What is pertaining to reading the Bible? OK, this is the way this is called the exegesis example. Exegesis. E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S. I might not be pronouncing it right, but I think it's exegesis. That's exegesis. This is exegesis. This is one of the ways to study the Bible, you know. All right. Now, the definition of exegesis is the critical... Explanation or interpretation of a text, especially of scripture. Let me read that again. What does exegesis mean? What's the format? What's the definition of exegesis when it comes to reading the Bible, the scriptures? The definition of exegesis is the critical explanation or interpretation of a text, especially of scripture. Okay, put simply, I'm, I'm reading all these notes I wrote down. Put simply, it is the process of discovering the original. An intended meaning of a passage of scripture. Let me say that again. Exegesis: When you exegesis the scripture, if I can put it that way, when you read, when you esogenically read the scriptures this way, what you are trying to find out you're put you're putting simply put simply it is the process of discovering the original and intended meaning of a passage of scripture. When considering the importance of knowing truth exegetical theology is vitally important do i need to read that again let me say that again it is the process of discovering the original and intended meaning of a passage of Scripture with considering the importance of knowing truth. Exegetical theology is vitally important. My recommendation for you is to look up these two names, exegesis and Isegesis. Don't just look up one. Look up both because they both go going hand. You'll know if you're doing one or the other or you're brought up in a church that does it that way. You'll catch on quickly. you either enter exegesis or isegesis. Okay. What's more important than the exegesis when you're reading and studying the Bible? Context. 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 Okay, that's the importance when it comes to exegesis study. Let me give you an example. The more we understand the biblical context, the better we will be able to understand the whole. Let's read that again. The more we understand the biblical context, the better we will be able to understand the whole of what was happening. Who wrote the book? We are reading. Who wrote the book? We are reading. That's very important to know who wrote the book. We are reading, isn't it? Who was the attending audience? Isn't the audience is very important? Who the author was talking to. It's very important. We are reading scriptures or studying the scriptures. You want or any other book. You want to know who the, who the audience was attended for. Who the author is talking to. This passage was first written. When was the passage first written? That's very important. Was there a specific lesson that the original author was trying to teach the original audience? Did you get that? If you're not getting it, just go back because I'm going to spend a lot of time on it. You can look up these things yourself. I want you to do these things yourself. I don't want you to just depend on me just sending on audio. Look at look at deep. Get a study on it. Study yourself for exegesis and eisegesis. That, let me read this one more time. The more we understand the biblical context, the better we will be able to understand the whole of what was happening. Who wrote the book? One. Who wrote the book we are reading? That's one. Who was the attendant audience? That's two. When this passage was first written? That's three. Was there a specific lesson that the original author, the original author being the Bible itself, the original author was trying to teach the original audience? Listen to the term original. Very important. Very important. Who, what, when, and where. Okay, let me continue. All right. Knowing that the authors write in a different language means we would need to understand their original intention. Very important. For what they wrote, what did those words mean? The meaning is very important. We have to study that. After all, each word has a definition and using basic sentence structure rules, we can know what the author was trying to convey or trying to say or trying to explain. Oftentimes, unless there is a good reason to understand it differently, we can trust a simple answer based on the perspective of the author okay now the conclusion of exegesis i hope you got some type of idea biblical interpretation it is up to us to do the hard work of figuring out what god the ultimate author of all scripture is trying to tell us okay that's a brief definition of exegesis okay i'm not going to stop there but i want to uh uh, jump to that When it says It is up to us To do the hard work Of figuring out What God The ultimate author Of all scripture Is trying to tell us Now I'm quoting These definitions From different people So this is the definition Yes it's up to us Beside the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit Is the ultimate one But we have to listen To the Holy Spirit I Understand where this person Is going It's up to us To find out That's why I have a show Called Connecting the Dots the Bible is different than any other. It's not a storybook. It's not a kid's book. You know, a, a regular book will tell you where they're going, and they might say, yeah, John went over Susie's house, and John, last week done this, or the car went around a corner, and it stopped at a red light. The red light changed, and then it changed to green. And it was go. Well, you know, that's probably a bad analogy, but you know what I mean. It's more specific. So you can get an understanding on a regular storybook. You have you got a you got an understanding where that book and that storybook is going. The Bible is different. The Bible is an ancient book. So therefore, you have to connect the dots. You got to put it together like a puzzle. You have to let the Holy Spirit lead you, and you have to do hard work like this author said. You have to do hard work to try to put it together. That's true studying something, anything you, that you got to do. But the Bible is just very different. It's just not like a regular book. You cannot read the Bible any type of way. You cannot add to the Bible anything you want to. You have to learn how to study the Bible by context. Who would the author talking to? What audience? What does the author mean? Blah, blah, blah. Was it for us today? Blah, blah, blah. And different things like that. We must, uh, not the blah, 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 of course. <laughs> We have to understand, we have to do our due diligence. That's the word I want to use, our due diligence to connect the dots of what the Bible is saying. And then the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Once we do our due diligence, the Holy Spirit will start showing us different things. And I know this is bad experience because he does that with me a lot. Shows me some, uh, some revelation of different things of what his word is really saying. Some things you can just do yourself and study, but the Holy Spirit will give you the spiritual aspect of his word. Okay. All right. Okay, biblical exegesis is the actual interpretation of sacred book and bringing out of its true meaning. Okay, that's biblical exegesis. There's different ways you can study different books in exegesis. You want you want you go back context. Context is very important. Texts are very important. You know, meaning, meaning is different than hermeneutics. I'm gonna go study on hermeneutics. It's a different thing. Meaning is very important. The author, who is the author writing to? What audience is the author writing to? You know, you got to find that things when you when you're doing biblical bible study. If you don't you're going to misinterpret the Bible and misunderstand it and people get confused they say I can't understand the King James Version I can't understand it, it's too confusing that's why we need the Holy Spirit that's why you need to be saved to get the, the real, uh, the spiritual enlightenment of God's Word especially the King James Version it's not going to happen in a lot of other translations I'm going to tell you that now, I'm not saying you won't get fed but the Holy Spirit I believe works better in the King James the original text of the King James Bible, that's just me I'm not getting into that, I'm going to do a study on the King James, that's coming up and I'm gonna let somebody else do that so get ready for that get ready for that you other translators get ready for that okay so that's a little breakdown the biblical exegesis is the actual interpretation of the sacred book the bringing out of its true meaning also exegesis essentially means using the words of the text listen to this exegesis essentially means using the words of the text in scripture through the lens of their original context Listen closely. Original context to determine their intent. In other words, if one analyzes scripture exegetically, they won't come to the text with any conclusions of their own. Let me read that again. Exegesis. E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S, exegesis, essentially means using the words of the text in Scripture through the lens of the original context to determine their intent. What is the writer's intent? What is the author's intent? Now, we're talking about the Bible. Whoever is writing each book, I don't care, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, what is the true intent? What is the context? We must keep it in context. We can't just grab verses out. We must hold an old history, the background, and the context, the when, where, and why. In other words, if one analyzes Scripture exegetically, they won't come to the text with any conclusions because you're searching. You're trying to find truth. When someone is talking to you, you could tell the difference if they're paying attention, and if they're not paying attention by their response. By their response. If you if 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 I'm talking to you, and you could just about play back what I said, that tells you you are paying attention. You might not do it perfectly, but you're trying to grasp. What well, and another way of finding out is you asking questions. What do you mean by that? Oh, I don't understand that. You know, when did this happen? You know why? you trying to get a picture. You're trying to get a contextual picture of what I am saying. That tells me you are interested compared to a person that just saying, well— and blah, 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 this. This is what you're saying. They're going totally left field of what you said. They're exaggerating, they get all hyper and whatever like that. And they just ain't, they're, they're interpreting everything all the way wrong with what you said because they wasn't paying attention. They just wanted to hear what they want to hear because they already had their own conclusion, see? They weren't waiting on the real conclusion. They had their own conclusion. Therefore, let me put it this way. Yeah, that's how it isn't reading the Bible. You must let the Bible interpret itself. The Bible basically grammatically will interpret itself. And You know, when the Bible says something literally, you have to take it contextually, literally, within context. Okay, now that's exegesis. I hope you got a little idea on that. It's not a full big definition, you don't look it up yourself. Please don't just listen when I say things like that. Do that. I'm not there to check you and whatever you're doing is on you. But if you want to really understand the Bible, that's a way to understand the Bible, exegesis. Now, let's do eisegesis. Eisegesis, spelling is I-E-S-E-G-E-S-I-S. Eisegesis, I-E-S-E-G-E-S-I-S. Now, what does the meaning of eisegesis? It's a total opulent exegesis. you either doing the exegesis or you're doing this one. Now, let's break down some meanings of eisegesis, and then we'll let you go from there. Eisegesis is the process of interpreting text in such a way as to introduce one's own presumptions or propositions, agendas, or biases. It is commonly referred to as reading and to the text. You ever heard the term reading to the text? Hmm, let's read that again. This is the one of the meanings of eisegesis. Eisegesis is the process of interpreting text in such a way as to introduce one's own presuppositions, agendas, or biases. It is commonly referred to as reading into the text. Let's continue reading. Quoting, an interpretation, especially of Scripture, that expresses the interpreter's own ideas, put emphasis on own ideas, biases, or the light, rather than the meaning of the text. See, it's totally opposite. Eisegesis is the total opposite of exegesis. Now, a lot of churches, majority, I'm not going to, well, a big hump for the church. I believe the majority of churches, eisegesis, the Scriptures. Mainly, these denominations, Pentecostals. Charismatics The Jeep Black Friday sales event is here with incredible deals on a wide selection of Jeep 4x4 vehicles. Right now, at 15% below MSRP for an average of $11,514 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xE Overland or Summit. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. $11,514 average based on 15% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee 4xE Overland and Summit models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 1130. Jeep is a registered trademark. Uh, they're Catholics. A lot of eisegesis Jesus when it comes to the scriptures. You already know what said Jesus mean. You add your own bias. You you introduce your own presuppositions or your own interpretations. You have your own agendas when it comes to eisegesis. You start adding on. You start making up fake stories and whether you mean well or whatever like that, you start adding on. You have many preachers out there that does a lot of eisegesis preachers. One is out there in Houston, Texas. You know what I'm talking about. One of the number one ones is another one. Both of these guys have to be in Texas. You know who I'm talking about. They're good on eisegesis of adding their own interpretations to the Bible. I lot of the faith movement uses a lot of Jesus teachings. They use some exegesis, but they mostly use it a lot of eisegesis Jesus, Jesus teaching of adding their own you no know, biases interpretation and let me continue reading. Eisegesis Jesus means reading into the text with a preconceived preconceived notion we may have this can often mean coming to the scripture with a biased cultural lens that didn't exist during the time the bible was written you start adding on you start using uh allegories now i'm I'm not Knocking all allegories. I'm going to do a little study on allegory as well. So you have an idea what I see Jesus and you start adding to the scripture. You start spiritualizing. It's almost when I broke down the, uh, the Alexandria way, of uh, study of thought the other day and Antioch way study of thought. These very things are very important when it comes to reading and studying God's word. God's word is a holy book. It's an ancient book. So therefore, you have to be careful. You have to take your time. You have to connect the dots. You have to learn how to put the puzzle together. You can't be lazy when it comes to reading God's word. You cannot be lazy believer. You cannot be lazy believer. And for the unbeliever, you won't get the spiritual benefits of because you're not saved, but you can understand a format. You just think about how you study different things, like I mentioned, biology, science, and different things in school. You have to read the Bible the same way. The Bible just have to be supernatural, and it's an older text. Okay, so you you read the Bible in one of these ways in your church, if you are in the church or denominational setting or whatever. You know, exegesis way, interpret the Bible literally, grammatically, in context. You're trying to find the history. You want to know who, where, when and what they're talking about you're really trying to search the true meaning of what a passage or a word is saying you don't just pull out verses you go you don't just go there you read that whole chapter or that whole a whole line of words and you try to search it to find out what is god or the reader Or the uh, the author, or the one that wrote the book, is trying to say, whether it's Paul's epistles, or whether it's any books in the Bible, or all sixty-six in the Bible. You want to be a exegesis type of Bible reader and studying. That's how you get the full benefits and you won't get bamboozled or hoodwinked the bamboozled by all this other false teaching and all this other meaning well teaching that's going on. You can learn the Bible yourself. Okay. That's the difference between exegesis and eisegesis. Let me continue reading. Eisegesis often leads to wrong conclusions and can lead many astray. we have an example here. Now, this is an example I want you to read. Example, let's go to Philippians 4.13. I'm going to just read it. You don't have to go there. Philippians 4.13. Okay, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I'm not going to use the exegesis example because it's kind of self-explanatory. I'm going to use how a lot of Jesus would read this. Okay, this is an eisegesis Jesus reading. Then I'm going to go to the original context meaning. Original context, what this text is really meaning you can do this the same way in your Bible. That's how you get a revelation of what God's Word is saying. Okay. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You'll find that in the book of Philippians 4 and 13. Now, this is what the writer was saying. We may add into this verse or read into it the text that God will give us the strength to win this tennis game, this fight, this box match holyfield use that a lot you know this boxing match and everything or to pass this test or to be successful start this business that's how, that's how you Jesus a scripture. You take that verse and you put it on you and you just apply it that this verse means anything in my life that's going on. It's a lot of that teaching going on now and people are being hoodwinked and bamboozled. Even with the ones that mean well. We take these verses because we don't know the exegesis. We don't know the context of them. We don't know the reason. We just go about what some of our pastors told us and we go and we run with it and we start adding these things in our life without knowing why. We use generalities a lot. I like when Alan Parr said that. We use a lot of generalities in everything, you know. If you don't know Alan Parr, you can find him on YouTube. He's a good teacher. You can find a lot of his teaching on YouTube, Alan Parr. But I'm not... Quoting it out of part, I just I just agree with what he was talking about. We use a lot of generalities, and one of them is I Jesus. You know, I used to be I Jesus and everything, but I always felt like man, there's something that's not wrong. I always was searching for the truth. So the times I did use the I Jesus way of reading scriptures and everything, I didn't really believe it. And fully believe it because it just sounded too incredible. Not saying that God could not do it, but why come it wasn't happening today? That was always with me. Man, I can do all things, but, you know, blah, blah. There's a lot of this stuff that's not happening everything. So that's another story. But that's how you, in other words, you're reading things that's not fair. You're adding to God's Word. You know what he says about that. you reading things that are not there. Therefore, whatever you learn, if you learn it that way, you're going to teach that way. You're going to preach that way, Okay. Now, this is the original context meaning in the example of philippians four thirteen listen carefully. This is the original context meaning. I hope you all are getting something out of this because this is this is Bible study on body of christ real talk word bible study word examples okay Paul why did Paul say it this is uh this is a breakdown. Paul was on a house arrest, ready to go on trial that may end his life, but despite all those difficult circumstances. Paul showed how Christ gave him strength during a dire season. What? Paul showed that God gave Jesus gave him strength. Well, God is Jesus too. God gave him strength in that time of turmoil in the life or death situation. That's why he said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Because it was proven God worked through him. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God won't work with you in uh, certain things or whatever like that or give you the knowledge to do things. I'm not just saying that. All I'm just saying don't take it out of context. I'm not saying he's not he won't work in your life the way he worked in Paul's life. But always understand there was a reason that Paul quoted that scripture like that he was in a situation that he's gonna lose his life. He needed strength, he needed encouragement, he needed to be uplifting. So he, he quoted that. He didn't quote that, to just say, Okay, everybody in the future that read this, apply this to everything in your life, and it's gonna work. That's what he was not saying. That's the way I see Jesus read the scripture and will have you to believe that's what it means. That's scary, okay? So you have a somewhat of a definition of I see Jesus, okay? So you have a definition of eisegesis and uh, exegesis? I hope so. So that's the definition. That I'm gonna get into one more. Let's get into allegories. The reason I'm talking about these word definitions, is because all this it pertains to the Bible. I'm talking about when it comes to the Bible. You can use it in other studies as well, but I'm talking about the ones you know, are saved and unsaved when it comes to reading and studying your Bible. Allegories. Now, the definition of an allegory is somewhat different than exegesis and exegesis. This is a def breakdown of a definition of using allegories in the Bible or using allegories in General, well, since we talk about the Bible, okay, what is an allegory? An allegory is a story, a poem, <clears throat> excuse me, ugh, sinus. Allegory is a story, a poem, or a picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning, typically a moral, a political, or A political one or religious one. People use allegories according to what this writer is saying. You know, I'll just add a religious because I'm just basing it on biblical allegories that people use. A story, a poem, a picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning, typically a moral or political one. Let's Let's give an example of an allegory. An allegory is a study. I mean, an allegory is a story within a story. Okay, Joe, what do you mean by that? Okay. It has a surface story and another story. That means it's it's two stories. Allegories usually is always two stories. Okay. Let me let let me let the uh author finish interpreting. A uh, allegory is a story within a story. It has a surface story and another story hidden underneath. Let's get an example. Then he gives an example this author, this author. The surface story might be about Two neighbors throwing rocks at each other's homes. But the hidden story would be about war between between countries. Okay, I'm finna cut this short but In other words, when you use using an allegory, allegory is usually always two stories, according to this author. The definition of allegories is always you using two stories. In other words, in other words, just, I'm gonna use this story. I live in a house and I have a big fence. No trespassing. People trying to get over my fence or they get, they clamming over my fence and everything. I'm going against them, whether I'm, I shot at them or whether I do something or whatever like that. I'm going against it, uh, going against them. That's coming on fence. They're and They're coming over my fence. They breaking the law. Once they enter my home and they're coming over my fence and I'm trying to stop them. They need food. They need this. They need whatever like that. They're just trying to get help, but they can't just go over my fence, whatever like that. I'm stopping them. I'm keeping them from going out. Okay. Or vice versa. I have a fence, and I'm opening the gate. I'm opening the gate to them. I'm just letting them in. I'm just letting them live in my backyard, and I'm feeding them or whatever, whatever it is. And you know what's going on. I'm using that. Okay, that's a story I'm using. It might be even a true story, you know. But just say it's a fictional story. My that story is not the real meaning of what I'm trying to tell you. The real meaning I'm talking about is the border. Okay, opening up the border, we letting people in free. They don't even have to have IDs or nothing like that. That's one of the parts to look at. Or we just, you know, opening up. We're trying to close the border and we're trying to keep them out, you know, far as that and everything, because we're trying to protect our own. In other words, that's the real meaning. Also, that's referring to those two allegories I use. So allegory is just a story within a story. You understand they use here as two people was fighting, two neighbors was fighting, throwing at each other, whatever, like at each other's homes. But the hidden story would be about war between countries. There's two countries. They just use an allegorical example to break down really what the real big picture is and everything like that. Okay, so that's the same, somewhat the same as in the Bible, how a lot of people use allegory. So allegories, uh, it's not all bad. The majority of allegories is not bad if you're trying to do something truthful. Some people can only get things explained to them in an allegorical way. You know, you use allegories to explain because a lot of people don't un- don't understand a philosophical, you know, a, a way of or a real, uh, you know sophisticated way to break down or using a lot of wordy words and whatever like that some people including myself we need to be things broke down in an allegorical way it's not the same as a parable jesus used parables to keep them from knowing the truth because you know what they really wanted they wasn't seeking the truth you know but that's not the same as a parable so to me allegory is just a story within a story there's two stories uh you 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 given one story to break down the truth of the real story, you want them to know. So those are allegories. That's what allegories mean for you. You can read the scripture in the same allegory. The negative way of reading the scripture is the allegory is the, when you're reading verses and you're giving a story. And you trying to fit that story into that one little verse without looking at the whole contextual passage. That's when allegories become problems. You want to take that one verse, you know, like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. Or so you take, you say the Lord's supper or the Lord's prayer. And you just say, yeah, blah, 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 you know, you know, uh, our father, which you in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven, give us this day. And you call that the Lord's Prayer just by reading, reading that verse. Then you say the, the, the reason you breaking it down, you will, you'll make a story. You'll make a story pertaining to that real meaning that you wanted to have no this is what god is going to do god is going to pour that brain from heaven god is going to do this or whatever like that so that's the way you do that when it comes to allegories okay so you start making up a story Another sort just said just uh uh the Lord's prayer. You say that's the Lord's prayer. You make a story before that that God is gonna give us daily bread, he's gonna he's gonna take care of our clothing, our housing, and different things like that. You know, this is just a definition of what God is gonna do and that particular scripture. See, that's a misinterpretation, that's a wrong allegory right there. Because if you read it in context and you go back, you'll understand that he's talking about the struggles of Israel. They will always be taking care of different things and the future. Hey, take care now. And the future and everything they will. Always be taken care of, and uh, you know, they will have they would get daily bread when they said, Our Father, which out in heaven, will be thy name, thy kingdom come, that will be done. They're talking about the kingdom on earth, they're talking about their millennium kingdom reign. They're not talking about the body of Christ, we're not talking about the church. This is Israel, okay? This is Israel that uh, Jesus is telling them. Also, Jesus is not telling them this is the way you pray, he's just giving them a generality a general format of what you should be looking for when the coming times of this tribulation be coming up because they got to go through it, you know, that they will be supplied day by day with daily bread. This is what Jesus is breaking down, what's going to be coming up. You know, he breaks it down in Matthew 24 and everything like that. He will supply their needs and everything, just like they got supplied in the days of Moses with the manna and everything like that, you know, in the quail. That's what Jesus is breaking down in that passage. But when you use an allegory for your own benefit, you would say that this passage means this is the way you pray. This is the Lord's prayer. There will be blessings coming down on you. I, I, I got this story that this person Prayed this prayer and the Lord provided them with food in their house. Their refrigerators was filled up and blah, blah, blah. And this and people are just saying, that never happened to me. I'm struggling now. I can't even afford my rent. I only got a loaf of bread in the house. So you got to watch how you use allegories. So that is a, a wrong way to use allegories, and a lot of ministers and you know use allegories in a wrong way. Some on purpose and some just ignorantly. They don't know. But if you really want this is not the Lord telling you how to pray. This is the Lord giving them a generality, what what will be provided for them when their kingdom come he's talking about the coming millennium kingdom that kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven they are talking about the coming of the millennium reign on earth for israel not the body of christ not the church okay also if you want to know what the lord's prayer is the lord prayer literally go to john 17 St. john 17 that's the lord prayed himself to the father If you want to know what the Lord's Prayer is, that's the the real Lord's Prayer in the Bible when it comes to the four Gospels is John 17 when he's praying to the Father. That's the Lord literally praying, John 17, not John, our Father, what you am in heaven, that's not the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is John 17 when he's praying to the Father, okay? I'm going to end it right there. That's just a little example I've given on the wording. So three words are broke down, exegesis and eisegesis and allegories. I want you to really pay attention and look up those words yourself so you can have a constructual, contextual way of reading the Bible so you won't be misled and uh, hoodwinked and bamboozled. God bless you. This is Joseph Brown your Body of Christ Real Talk, with a word breakdown let out baby, let out. <laughs> bye bye, adios. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.